Welcome to Glove Talk, your weekly news in boxing. So right off the bat, um, I did want to highlight a smaller fight that happened. And it was a great fight. It was actually the first Queensberry promotion fight. And it was the headliner for that. And that was Brad Foster versus James Beach. If you didn't see this fight, I highly, highly, highly recommend going on YouTube and finding it if you can and watching it. It was a really good fight. Really good fight. Um, I had never heard of either fighter before, and I was pleasantly surprised by this fight. I really liked Brad Foster a lot. From what I understand about this kid, he doesn't have an amateur background. He's learning on the job. Which, when I first heard that, I was concerned. Like, this guy doesn't have any amateur background. Mind you, I'm someone that really believes amateur pedigree can be important in terms of trying to figure out how to kind of push young fighters up in different levels. So, I was kind of surprised by this. But, wow. I was very, very impressed with Brad Foster. Um, he's got a little bit of that kind of Josh Kelly defense, that slickness, you know, where he he can kind of just be very elusive and use his head movement to kind of get out of the way. And instead of really utilizing, you know, traditional kind of shell up defense. And besides that, I mean, he's just, he's a really great fighter. I mean, both guys, I have to hand it to both guys. They both just really went at it. They, apparently they had sparred quite a bit together. They kind of knew each other. So that made it even more interesting because they can't really do anything that the other one hasn't probably seen before, but it was a very, very good fight. And, you know, congratulations to Brad Foster on the win and the title there. Uh, very interesting young fighter. I highly recommend, highly recommend keeping an eye out on this kid because if he develops well and he has the right training behind him and they take him slow because he doesn't have that amateur pedigree and don't force him into major huge fights too quickly he could be really interesting to see how he develops Chris Stevenson's leaving 126 and staying at 130 and that opens up his vacant title to Navarrete and Magdaleno possibly fighting for it which I think is an interesting fight I would probably favor Navarrete for that one, but I definitely would love to see that fight. It looks like Lomachenko versus Teofimo Lopez won't be happening now until October 3rd. They've kind of pushed it back, which I think is understandable because we've been hearing about spikes in the virus and everything like that. And I really think that they want to have some kind of tendons for this fight. And so by pushing it back, they're basically reassuring them that that will happen. It is still confirmed that it is going to be in Las Vegas. So we do know that. But when it's going to be, who knows? This could definitely be pushed out until next year. If, if things don't go well these next you know, couple months, this summer, during the summertime, we might be seeing this in more 2021, which is really annoying to hear because I was very excited for this fight. I'm sure many of you were as well. And to wait even longer just makes it that much more painful. But we'll see what happens. So now let's talk about Ryan Garcia. We talked about him last week with Luke Campbell. And the fact that it looked like these guys were possibly going to fight for the WBC title. It looks like things have moved and progressed a little bit since then. And that it's basically been confirmed that they are 
in negotiation right now. What throws a wrench into all of this is that Ryan Garcia came out and basically said that to Oscar and Golden Boy Production that if you don't believe in me, release me. And I don't know if that's coming from him being unhappy with the numbers they're giving him in terms of what the purse is gonna look like or if there's something else going on behind the scenes. I saw some people taking this and saying that Ryan Garcia is a spoiled brat and that are very upset with the way Ryan Garcia is going about this because not too long ago, Ryan Garcia just signed a new contract with Golden Boy and was bragging online about how it's the best contract ever for a prospect. It's the most lucrative contract ever for a prospect, I believe is the words he used. And now we're hearing him talk about not being happy uh, with compensation for the purse for the Luke Campbell fight and that if Golden Boy doesn't believe him, they should release him. Now, my first initial thoughts of this was what's going on here? There's got to be something more than purse, right? There's There's got to be something more than purse going on here because there is a history with Golden Boy and Ryan Garcia not necessarily seeing eye to eye. Um, there's also been some talk about Golden Boy and Canelo not being happy. So I'm not going to say this is all on Ryan, to be fair to people that are fans of Ryan Garcia. But I am going to say this. I don't know what Ryan Garcia is expecting. I don't know what kind of numbers he's expecting. Because if this fight's going to happen this year, there's going to be no gate, most likely. So take all of that off the table. And on top of that, I see Ryan Garcia fans say, well, pay the man what he's worth. He's got this huge social media following. And I saw, I can't remember who it was. It was someone on Twitter pointed this out. And I thought this was a very well put point. Is just because you have a huge social media following doesn't mean you should be the highest paid individual. And they said, by your logic, if social media matters so much, then Kim Kardashian should be the highest paid actress in Hollywood. Right? She has the biggest social media. She has a bigger social media than Sandra Bullock. She has a bigger social media than, you know, someone like a Halle Berry. She does. And what they were trying to basically show is that just because you have a big social media doesn't mean that you should get paid more for that because skills matter. Your resume matters. So I thought that was very interesting and well put. So my take on this is if Canelo's taking pay cuts right now, Ryan Garcia shouldn't be expecting crazy amounts of money. He shouldn't be. From what I understand, Ryan is not happy with the lower side of the pay scale. He wants the upper side of the pay scale. Well, that makes sense if you're going to be able to utilize that social media and have a gate. Plus, we don't know what kind of numbers he's doing when it comes to DAZN because DAZN doesn't actually release the numbers for the pay-per-views that they're doing. So we don't know exactly what his last numbers were. What we do know, though, is that he does get a bonus for viewership for his fights, at least for his last one he did. So for the Ryan Garcia fans, I would say if Ryan Garcia gets compensated for having that social media presence, by having higher viewership, he's getting bonuses on top of that for, for his fights. He signed a contract, which I believe is like a five-year contract. 
He knows what that contract said in terms of compensation. He has these bonuses in place for viewership. I don't understand what the problem is. And like I said, that's why I started thinking about this being something more behind the scenes and other issues. So staying at lightweight, but women's lightweight, I have very good news. It is confirmed. Katie Taylor and Pursuit rematch is happening August 22nd. I wanted to just kind of update it. I kind of talked about it quite a bit, I think, last time that it looks like it was going to happen. It is finalized. It is happening underneath the Pavekin and White fight. So if you're ready for this, this is going to be a great rematch. I'm very excited about this. I'm also very curious to see... You know, Pursuit hasn't had a long camp for this. I know Katie Taylor's been training. I'll be very curious to see how this could possibly affect either one of them. And if, you know, how their game plan might have to change. I'm pretty sure Katie Taylor doesn't want to get into the pocket with Pursuit. Pursuit is kind of a, a little bit less organized fighter than Katie. Katie's a little bit more and he uses distance and kind of comes in and out a little bit more. Pursuit's a little bit more get in there and grind it out. I will be curious to see how that, if that anything changes from the first fight and to see if their style of either one of them changes a little bit. So we'll see where we go from there. Now going up to middleweight, it looks like there's talk about Canelo and Triple G trilogy happening May, 2021. Now I'm excited for this. I know some people feel like, you know, Triple G is kind of didn't have a great outing against Devachenko, but I'm very curious about this in general because I want to see what happens now that, you know, guys have had some time off, how this affects them. I want to see how they are in their next fight leading up to this one. And we'll see. It looks like people are talking about possibly Canelo fighting twice this year, fighting in September and December. I believe we're going to maybe only get one fight this year from Triple G. We'll see how they look, but this could be another really mega fight for them. I feel like, you know, and a lot of people feel like Triple G won the first one. We know it was a draw. The second one, I could see it going either way. I think that Canelo certainly looked the better fighter in that one. And I think a lot of people feel like Canelo definitely won that one. There's some people that feel like Triple G also won that one. Um, I think it was very close and I could see it kind of going either way. I, th I think I had Canelo edging it out more in that in that second one. So if they do have a trilogy fight, I mean, these guys, they're just it's amazing whenever they get together, really. It's it's a fantastic uh, spectacle to see. So we'll see what happens with this one. And it's very promising to hear that this is something that is being talked about now and not in 2021, because if it was happening in 2021, I'd probably believe it a lot less. Now going up to super middle, it looks like John Ryder has said that he has a plan B for in case the Canelo fight does happen, and that's Billy Joe Saunders. And Billy Joe Saunders, I believe, has also talked about this possibly being the fight that he's going to take instead of the Andrade fight. I don't know about this right now. Quite honestly, I'm sick and tired of talking about Billy Joe Saunders and who he's going to fight. Every week it's someone different. Every couple of days he you know, gets in a Twitter spat with someone. I'll wait to really kind of give some more information about it. But I do think it's interesting that, you know, John Ryder, Billy Joe Saunders does seem to make a lot of sense considering that things are still locked down, travel still restricted. I think this makes a lot of sense. And actually I would maybe favor John Ryder in that, in that matchup. So we'll see what happens there. Now going up to heavyweight, it looks like Andy Ruiz 
and Chris Ariola are going to be possibly squaring up. It looks like they've been in negotiations and things are going well from what I can, what I've read. And actually, I think this isn't a bad fight for Andy Ruiz. So let me just say this. I feel a little bit bad for Andy Ruiz because obviously right now, everyone is still remembering the AJ rematch and he still gets a lot of gets a lot of stick for that which rightfully so obviously but still the, you can tell andy ruiz is trying maybe a little too hard to convince people that he's not slacking off and that he's taking things serious because everything he posts is him doing some kind of workout everything he posts is him training in some way and every article i see kind of always starts with andy ruiz and talking either about his weight or him training or something combined i kind of feel bad for andy ruiz in a, a little bit just in the sense that like the dude has been dragged non-stop since that fight so actually i think this is a good fight this isn't a bad fight for andy ruiz one i think chris Ariola is beatable i mean he's definitely beatable he's older he's around 40 years old He's a big dude. Um, he's, you know, not a bad matchup for him. And I think it'd be interesting to see how Andy Ruiz deals with him because Chris Ariel is, you know, not the biggest dude, but not the smallest guy of the bunch. And we saw how he was against Kalnaki where he can trade and he can certainly take a punch. So I'm actually kind of excited to see how this kind of plays out. And I'm glad to see Andy Ruiz taking smart steps forward um instead of trying to i don't know hope for a big kind of money fight with someone like a fury or wilder or you know for a little while they're talking about andy ruiz and dillian white and stuff like those things are so locked down right now with all these kind of mandatory fights and all these crazy contracts that are being talked about i like seeing that andy ruiz is trying to stay busy um speaking of someone that kind of wants to fight Andy Ruiz is Adam Kanaki talked about Ruiz or Luis Ortiz kind of being like secondary options if he can't get the rematch right away um kind of interesting I don't know if really that's the next level I would kind of suggest for someone like an Adam Kanaki I think Adam Kanaki might need to fight someone a little bit less high profile before fighting one of those guys because I feel like Maybe Ortiz, I could see maybe that, but I would want to see Adam Kelnacki against more mid-level guys, guys that come to mind right off the bat. I'm thinking more of uh, Carlos Takam. I would rather see him fight him. I'd like to see him maybe fight maybe an Oscar Rivas, um, somewhere around there, maybe a little bit more. Whereas I think of Luis Ortiz closer to top 10, Andrew Ruiz, I think you could make a case for him being top 10, make, you know, depending on who you ask. I don't see how he goes from a loss to fighting someone that's possibly in the top 10. I see him being more on guys that are, hell, I would like to see him against Dominic Brazil. Someone more in that kind of outside the top 10 but still someone that is a solid kind of rematch or a solid matchup for him we'll see where it goes from here next thing i want to talk about it's just give a quick update um this is from bob arum talking about how he believes that jarrell miller will most likely get a multi-year 
suspension or a life ban from boxing uh, based on what happened. Kind of interesting because, you know, you I'm very curious, someone like Bob, who's been in the industry long enough to say possibly or a life ban. I am glad to hear that being thrown around a little bit because, you know, my personal opinions on that. Um, I think he should have a lifetime ban. I did hear people like Andre Ward and, and other people at Top Rank or ESPN kind of mentioning when they were talking about it, you know, uh, this last week, about a multi-year suspension. I think we're maybe past that. I think lifetime might be a little bit more appropriate, but it is interesting to hear Bob mention lifetime. So very interesting. Just want to give you guys a quick update on that. So from news here in the US from heavyweights and stuff like that, we're going to move over to the UK and it looks like Daniel Dubois and Joe Joyce will be having some interim fights before fighting each other. I really think they want a crowd for this fight. So they're trying to, you know, push it back just a little bit more, see how things kind of play out. Um, and I, I don't hate this. I love seeing both these guys stay active. That's one thing I really have to credit both guys with. Last year, both of them stayed active. Joe Joyce does not have a problem fighting frequently. Same thing with Daniel Dubois. And I think that's really good, especially for Dubois, someone that's young, to get as much experience as he can and to try different fighters as, as often as possible. Joe Joyce, I think we kind of know what he is a little bit more. He's a little bit older. Well, he's definitely older and he's kind of not going to really change his overall boxing uh, style all that much. Um, but it is good to hear both guys staying active. That tells me that they're going to be in good shape. And hopefully when it comes to their fight, we're going to see the, a, a better version of them because they've had a couple rounds actually, you know, not just sparring, but actually fighting. So we'll see where it goes. Now, while we're over there in the UK for heavyweights, let's talk about some news about Dillian White. Looks like Dillian White has just flat out refused and rejected any idea of him taking step aside money. I totally expected this. I don't expect Dillian White to take step aside money. The dudes waited quite a while for his title shot, and I think it's definitely justified at this point. So I'm not surprised by that, but I am surprised to hear that he has he has parted ways with his trainer, Mark Tibbs. Uh, it seems like these guys have been together for a while. They've only had success together. I don't know if this is because, you know, I guess right now Dillian White is in Portugal. And if he's just trying to do his own thing at first, I thought, okay, you know, maybe it's just a distance thing. But no, it just seems like they're just going their own separate ways. Maybe it was that last fight. Maybe Dillian White feels like Mark Tibbs didn't help him enough for the whack fight um i don't know i don't really know what it was uh but regardless it seems like they have parted ways and mark tibbs has done the classy thing and wish dillian white all of the best so um you know to mark tibbs i hope i wish him all the best because he did a great job with dillian white i think dillian white wouldn't be maybe where he is without someone like mark tibbs really helping him, guiding him, and being a great trainer to him. So with all that said, now we're going to end this week with a little bit more um, interesting kind of conversation type topic, and then end really the whole uh, week with just something fun to kind of note. Um, and that is Tyson Fury saying that Anthony Joshua rejected two <laughs> offers from Deontay Wilder because he's too scared about getting knocked out from Deontay Wilder. Now... You have to wonder how much of this is 
based on any kind of facts or if this is just Tyson Fury being Tyson Fury. I swear, Tyson, if Tyson Fury doesn't see his name in some kind of newspaper every three days or so, he just says something to get in there. It's just, I don't know how much I believe this or not. I know I saw people that are Wilder fans totally agreeing with him and Tyson Fury fans totally agreeing with him. And I saw the Anthony Joshua fans really coming back saying, you know, this and that. I, it's just... It just creates chaos because people really have strong opinions about the Wilder and AJ kind of controversy in terms of them trying to make a deal in contracts. I'm staying out of it. <laughs> I, in my opinion, there was people on both sides that didn't make deals that, that worked. Um, anyways, but moving on from that, interesting enough, speaking of Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua, both of them are going to be featured in the new EA uh, UFC 4 game, which I thought was kind of interesting, but I was kind of surprised to see. Um, considering both of them are not MMA fighters, obviously, but this is a good thing. I actually wanted to end on this because I thought it was a really positive note um, because it just goes to show that these guys are going to get more exposure to a larger fan base. I think that Tyson Fury has done a nice job introducing himself to the US market. I don't think Anthony Joshua really has done enough. Um, I've always said that I think Anthony Joshua needs to, when possible, go on Joe Rogan's podcast. I really think he needs to because guys that go on there get to really introduce themselves in a proper way. They get to talk about themselves a little bit. They get to kind of, you know, share their opinions on things. And it, Joe's is such a good interview. He doesn't take cheap shots or anything like that. He has such a huge fan base and such a wide variety of people that listen to him. I've always said that if Anthony Joshua really wants to get more American uh, fans and a larger fan base here, he should do something like that. You know, I see some of AJ's fans thinking that AJ is huge here in the U.S. He's really not to the casuals. I mean, he didn't look good with the whole Ruiz situation. Because of that, some people here in the U.S. just really don't think about him much when they think about boxing. They think of Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder more. Um, and I would love to see Joshua kind of be able to get a bigger fan base here in the U.S. Because I think he's a really exciting fighter, especially when he's, you know, not trying to just get his belts back in, in, in an awkward situation against a fighter that doesn't match him well with a, like Andy Ruiz. So I think that this is great to see them now both of them, I mean, this is both guys being in a major AAA game. Um, I know that these EA games, sometimes these combat sports games aren't always the best. You know, I kind of look at some of the, well, the WWE ones in particular are sometimes poorly done. But I think that these, from what I understand, I could be wrong, that some of these UFC ones are done pretty well. Um, people enjoy them. And this is a great way for UFC fans to get to know a couple boxers, you know, a couple heavyweight guys like AJ and Fury. And so I thought that was kind of fun and I wanted to end it on that. Thanks for listening. This was Glove Talk, new episodes every Sunday.